All right, well, today we are in, uh, let's see, week three, I believe, of our series entitled Happily Ever After. And, uh, and hopefully you are still feeling happy, happy and uh, will be happily forever after. And uh, we're two weeks into this series on marriage and relationships. And I would tell you, that even if you're single here today, that there are a lot of things that you can glean from from this series, whether you're married or or not. And uh, last week we, we kind of tackled a, a large topic, one that is not uh, taught on very often in the church, but I feel like it is very important to talk about. And last week we talked about the issue of divorce. And so um, I always encourage you, to, if, you've, if, if you want to get caught up in a series, all of our messages are archived online, newlife4kokomo.org, and you can listen to it on the way to work or whatever it is that you do when you mow the lawn or do the dishes, uh, get caught up. Uh, but today, Today's message, I, I want to help you, I want to help you fight with your spouse. I also, I know that some of you don't need help with this at all, but I'm going to help you anyway, and we're going to talk about how to fight fair, how to fight fair. Um, it, it is inevitable that there will be tension. Um, I remember when Jenny and I first got married. Uh, October 20th, 2007. So that means we're coming up very soon on 15 years of marital bliss. And uh, I remember when Jenny and I got married, um, you know, I grew up one of four boys. I had been a singular, single bachelor living on my own, with my own place for three years. And when we got married, we were, I think uh, she had just turned 21 and I, and I was 21. And um, and she, she moves in with me. We, we, we rent a little house, and after we get married, we, we move in together. And, and then all of a sudden, this, this like dude of dudes, right? One of four boys, lived the bachelor life for three years. All of a sudden, I'm like, what is this thing called woman? <laughs> I never had a sister. Nothing. And I was like perplexed at what was going on in my life. And it saddens me to tell you that some of the lessons that I've learned in marriage and, how, and, and learning how to communicate and learning how to serve Jenny well and be a respectable husband, some of those things took me 10 years. And I don't want it to take you 10 years if you're newlywed. And also, if, you, if, it took, if it's been taking you longer than 10 years, I want you to get out of those rhythms as well. And uh, you know, marriage is such a fun thing, um, and it's a hard thing. And marriage takes work, and it, and it means doing hard things. And, and as you know, our stance is that when we marry, we marry for life. And so we do the hard work to, to build that, that connection with, with one another. But fighting is a very r real thing in relationships. So again, whether you're married or not today, I think there are concepts and principles we'll talk about that will help you in many relationships in your life. But marriage is such a gift. Um, Jenny and I, we went to, and uh, we were at a wedding yesterday evening uh, with our three boys, and a uh, young man uh, got married. He, he used to be an intern of mine a few years ago. And, uh, and seeing him get married, and it's just so exciting. I, I, it's very rare that I get to go to a wedding that I'm not officiating. So that was fun. 
And it's also very rare that, that I get to go to church where I sit in the rows with my wife. And so when I get those opportunities, like next week, praise God, thank you, David Myers, I will be sitting in the row next week during the message. And my friend David Myers is going to bring a word. Is that next week? It's in two weeks, my friend. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm excited. I just scared David real bad. In two weeks, I get that. But when I get the opportunity to sit with my wife at church, sit with my wife at a wedding, I realized something. You guys don't know how good you got it. If you, if, if you have forgotten how special it is to sit next to your husband or wife and worship together side by side, it's awesome. And when Jenny and I get to experience that, we're always like, oh, it feels like, it feels so fresh and new. This is why, and I would just encourage you in this, that if you're married, to make church a priority, come together, sit together, worship together, put your arm around your wife, enjoy it. It's special. But it's not always special. Sometimes it's special in a different way because we fight. So how, how to fight fair? The first thing I want you to know is that conflict is going to happen. How many of you have been married 20 or more years? Keep your hands raised if it's 30 or more years. Keep your hands raised as if it's 40 or more years. Like, like, we're, we're, like we, got, we got some serious long-tenured marriage relationships. 50 or more years? 50 or more? Wow, come on, Jesus, that's awesome. Wow, that's awesome. Come on, that's awesome. And I guarantee you they would all tell us the same thing today. Conflict is going to happen. It's going to happen. And I would actually say that, that healthy relationships will have conflict. They will. It means that you're, you're working things out. You're not always going to agree. But it, 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 so don't be afraid of conflict. Even healthy relationships will have conflict. Because moreover, I actually think that if there is never conflict, it's likely that somebody is lying. If there's never conflict in your relationship, it's very likely that one of you is not speaking. And that is not healthy. So healthy relationships will have conflict. So there's two possible goals in conflict. Two possible goals. Um, and in conflict, conflict must be communicated. So there's two possible goals in conflict. The first goal is to have agreement. That we must agree. Communicating for agreement always leads to arguing. Because you don't see eye to eye. And so you don't communicate to listen, you communicate to make your next point. Because I need you to agree with me. And the other says, nah-uh-uh, you need to agree with me. So at least arguing, at least to defensiveness, it leads to repetitive statements. And then like you just get stuck in this like circular pattern, you're just in this holding pattern. And it's like you're saying the same thing 8, 12 times because you're just hoping that they'll agree with you and they're the same. So you stop actually listening when you are 
communicating for agreement, and you actually are listening to just make your next argument, like two lawyers battling it out, because two lawyers will never agree. Their job is literally to make an argument for their case. They're not looking for agreement, are they? So the, the first goal, there's the first possible goal in conflict is that we're communicating for agreement. But the second goal is different, and it's to communicate for understanding. So you can, if you have, if you want to communicate to find agreement, you will argue. But if you communicate to find understanding, now defenses come down. Now anxiety comes down. Now emotions calm down. Why? Because you start listening. You start listening. And so it's important to know that you, to communicate to understand, not always to agree. This will help you. Like I said, I'm going to help you fight. And this will help you. To communicate, to understand, not always to agree. And sometimes that means that, that when you are listening, you're trying to listen for the heart of what they're saying. Because sometimes they may not be saying it well. Because maybe your spouse is in full fight mode. Or maybe your spouse is just grumbling around. Well, you got to think beyond this, what you see in the surface and really try to understand. So communicate to understand, not always to agree. Because again, if agreement is your goal, you will likely argue, and it is also very likely that the stronger personality will always win. So if you want to fight to agree, communicate to agree, the strongest one or the loudest one or the craziest one, is going to win. Because eventually, one or the other is going to say, okay, that's just enough for me. Whatever you say. And someone gets quiet, someone gets loud, and fine, I, I agree, whatever, I agree. No, no, communicate, communicate to understand. To first understand, we may not agree, but you find out, the goal is to find out why they feel the way they do. Colossians 4, 6, it says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer to everyone. Luke 6, uh, 45, it says, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Think about it. So how do you know what's in your heart? Evaluate your words. So if your heart, which is your, your internal reality, if it's governed by fear, then you're going to express that fear through your body language, your facial expressions, your words, and your tone. If your inner reality is governed by jealousy, then it will be expressed in your body language facial expressions, words, or tone. If your internal reality is rejection, if your internal reality is anger, it will be expressed in the ways you communicate. But conversely, if your heart is governed by faith, if your internal reality is governed by hope, if your internal reality is governed by love, 
You will release this reality through what you say, more importantly, and how you say it. You can be right and wrong at the top of your voice. Tone matters. And when we communicate when anxiety is high, it's very difficult, but you have to protect the tone of your voice if you want to communicate to find understanding. Because I will not be able to understand you at the top of your, at the top of your voice. I will only put up my defenses or my offenses, and I will, you know, fight back. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, there are some different communication styles, and so maybe one of these will resonate with you, uh, and maybe you'll identify maybe your, your spouse's uh, communication style, but I don't need you to point out theirs. I just need you to listen for you. And this is the important thing. When we, when we have discussions about relationships, especially in marriage, like, like, don't listen for them. You listen for you. Don't take notes, oh, I'm going to tell him that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's communicating to agree. That's to argue. You listen for you. You take notes for you today. Can you do that? Let's talk about some communication styles. The first communication style is passive a passive communication style says, you matter. You matter. I, I don't. I don't matter. Yes, whatever you want, because your needs before my needs, yes. I'll submit. I'll submit. I'll be submissive. Whatever you want. However, whatever it costs, however long it takes, yes. And obviously, uh, this isn't always healthy, is it? Because again, you may not have any conflict when there's one that is passive, but there's no conflict because somebody isn't talking. And so the passive communicator never actually communicates. The passive communicator always says, you matter, and I don't. Many times the passive communicator is passive because of fear. Maybe they're passive because the, the home they grew up in, they were always fearful of speaking up or, or, or sharing their opinion. You see, so many things that happen in marriages is really just a, a manifestation of things that we suffered with in our adolescence or hurts and pains that we had. This is why it's so important that, that husbands and wives can, can, can mutually honor one another and help get through these things and live a better life and give a better life to their kids. So the passive communicator says, oh, you matter. I don't. The next uh, communication style is the aggressive communicator. And guess what they say? I matter. You don't. So aggressive communicators love passive communicators, don't they? Because they matter. You don't. And if I get you to agree that I matter and you don't, we are hunky-dory. But again, this isn't healthy, is it? because this leads to selfishness and pride in the heart of that person, and God doesn't want that. And also leads to another person feeling rejected and unvalued, and we don't want that either. So we have a passive communicator, you matter, I don't. We have the aggressive communicator, I matter, you don't. And then we have the all-time favorite, passive-aggressive communicator, you matter, and she keys your car. Oh, did you have a good time golfing? This is, not, this is a bad example. 
Did you have a good time with the guys? Oh yeah, great time. Awesome. Burns your bread. <laughs> you had to be here last week for that one. Passive aggressive. Nice to your face, but will make you pay. Passive aggressive. Will make you pay. But then we have the assertive communicator. And the assertive communicator is crafty and skilled and tactful and caring. And they say, hey, you matter. And so do I. So let's communicate to find understanding. And I don't, I, I don't necessarily need you to agree with me. I just want you to understand that I'm hurting. And I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I can at least see and understand where you're coming from. The assertive communicator. I think most of us would fall into the upper three categories. And it takes work to, we may not naturally be assertive. Some of us may naturally be more passive or aggressive, or the scary one, passive aggressive. Um, but it takes that work and skill to become an assertive communicator. And so, uh, so uh, now I want to give you some, some tools here about effective communication. And um, um, some effective communication, um, I, I've learned these to, to be iMessages. iMessages. Now, if you have an iPhone, you know, you're familiar with iMessage, but I want to, I want to give you a different iMessage way of communicating. And that is the I feel, and, and, and listen, this is how it usually goes. I feel like, nope, like is not a feeling. I feel like you are a jerk. Uh, like is not a feeling. I feel like you're ignoring me. I feel like you this. No, no, you need to feel a feeling. And I need, I need to feel a feeling. Not I need, to, I need you to do what I want you to do. So this is about communicating to find truth. Communicating, again, to find understanding. If we just say, I feel like you always this. I feel like you never. I feel like you always. Right? That's not a feeling. So we need to get to what the feeling actually is. And so you need to learn how to tool those conversations with actual feelings. So, so let, let, let me help you a little bit more. Let me give you an example. And that is, I feel rejected. So what's the feeling? The feeling is rejection. I feel rejected when I'm the only one that initiates conversations. I need to feel valued in our relationship. Do you see how that even feels different to receive, and it feels different to explain. Because this person could say, um, I feel like you don't care about me at all. I feel like you never care about me. And the other person just went, huh? What do you mean I don't care about you? Didn't I just buy you something the other day? No, no. Hey, babe, listen, I feel rejected. Because I feel like I always have to come to you to start conversation and connect you. I'm, I don't feel like you do that for me. 
So it makes me feel rejected, but I need to feel like you value me enough to be interested in my day. How do you object to that? Here's another example. Um, I feel disrespected when you speak to me like I'm dumb. I need to feel loved in the way you talk to me. Or you could say, I need to feel respected in the way that you talk to me. What would be the wrong way to say this? Well, you could say, um, I feel like you always treat me like I'm stupid. I always feel like it's not a feeling. So what's the feeling? I always feel rejected. I always feel ignored. I always feel uh, less than. I feel smushed. I feel uncared for. So when we, when we have these, when we make these statements to our husbands and wives, we, we need to, if we're going to say I feel, and the next word is like, then that's a thought. It's not a feeling. We actually have to discuss how we feel. So I feel a feeling. I want you to say that with me so you remember it. I feel a, what do you feel? You feel a feeling. So I feel disrespected. When you speak to me like I'm dumb, I need to feel loved in the way you talk to me. Here's one more example, and that is I feel loved when we do things like this, and I need to feel this way more often. I hope this is helping somebody. You're quiet. What do you feel? What do you feel? You feel a feeling. Only children behave their feelings because they don't have the words to express them. You have the words, but too many times married people behave their feelings hoping that their husband or wife pick up on their behavior and read their mind and know how to fix it or know what they're doing wrong. Ladies, I'm so sorry. He has no idea what he's doing wrong. Watch it. He has no idea. I'm sorry. I wish, I wish he knew. I will tell you that if you continue in doing the hard work of the relationship, he will eventually know. But he will not intuitively know. You have to tell him what you feel. And husbands, you have to listen to understand you have to listen to understand. It may take, up, it may take a follow-up question, a follow-up statement. Tell me more. Tell me why. Tell me how. I'm, in, I'm interested as to why you feel that way. I feel a... Come on, help me, church. I feel a... I feel a feeling. And uh, communicate for understanding. Um... When a baby cries, you know, you check, is the diaper full? Is the belly empty? But married couples, they behave their feelings too many times. And so they behave angry. They behave hurt. They behave jealous. They behave ignored. They behave selfish. They behave embarrassed. You name it. Children behave their feelings. Mature adults communicate their feelings. I feel a what? I feel a feeling. 
I feel sad. I feel upset. I felt embarrassed when you shared that story about me. You never talk to me in a good, good way. No, no, no. I feel embarrassed. I need to feel trust. I feel a feeling. This is how we communicate to find understanding and not arguing. So let me real quick give you some, some uh, 10 rules of engagement. 10 rules of engagement to fight fair. You ready? Are you ready? Is this helping anybody today? Y'all are getting quiet on me. All right. It's 11.05. I got a few more minutes. Hang in there. All right. So rules of engagement to fight fair. The first one is this. is to keep the main thing the main thing. Remember, communicate to understand. Resist adding additional offenses. Like here's the main thing but we spend our time reading the fine print. By the time the smoke finally clears and, and the, 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 every issue from the beginning of our marriage is brought up. The only way to fight fair is to deal with one issue at a time. Somebody say one. One, one issue at a time. Just one. Fighting dirty is to bring up everything else into the issue. It's like when the government tries to pass a spending bill, they start attaching all these other things to it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> if the issue is the trash, don't bring up the Christmas budget. One thing, one thing. I promise you this is going to help you. The second thing, rules of engagement to fight fair uh, is much like the first. Don't bring up the past. Don't bring up the past. Because here's what scripture says. Love does not keep a record of wrong. And some of you got this Rolodex in your mind. <laughs> well, on January 14th, 2011, you said, let me file that into my Rolodex. If you don't know what a Rolodex is. <laughs> my guy. My boys, they're like, I have no idea what a Rolodex is. The notes section of your iPhone, whatever. <laughs> Don't bring up the past. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Many times when someone brings up the past in a conflict, it's typically something that they have probably already had conflict on. They've already talked about it. They already fought about it. They already forgave it. They already found resolution. But now anxiety's high, emotions are high. I'm just going to bring that baby back up. And it's like, didn't we already chew on that for a while, like last week? Why are we doing this again? I thought we already resolved that. So don't bring up the past. It's impossible to change what's already happened. You can only change here and now and moving forward. Bring up the past is not fighting fair. Thank you. Bringing up the past is not fighting fair, is it? Because all it takes in a fight if, if the fight's not going your way, all it takes is bring up the mistake they made because they can't change the past. So you bring it up, and now it's, it's like having evidence against them all over again. That's not fair. We're talking about the trash. We're not talking about the Christmas budget. And so 
in a relationship, in a marriage, a husband and wife know all the most intimate details of each other's lives. All the good and every single mistake. Most married people, they know mistakes, they know vulnerable areas of each other's lives that nobody else knows. And it's not fighting fair to use that as leverage to fight for agreement. It's actually hurtful. And I know by nature we do those things, and I'm not here to tell you, like, shame on you, but what I am saying is let's fight fair. Your marriage and your relationship will benefit from a fair fight. So don't bring up the past. We all have one. We all make mistakes, and I can't change it. But also don't use it as leverage to make your point. Which leads us to the third one. This is another good one. Don't attack, never attack one's character or personality. This is not what married people do. Do not attack each other's character or personality. Why? Well, you, you married their personality. You married their character. <laughs> that would be to disrespect who they are. Um... Politicians do this, not married people, okay? Politicians, when they have no real solutions and no real ideas, they just attack or degrade one another. That's not what married people do. We don't degrade one another. We don't attack each other's character or personality. We, we work to resolve. We work to find solution. And so attacking one's character or personality it likely could sound something like this. You act just like your mom. You are acting just like your father. You're acting like, that's, this. you know, you complain about your boss every day, but you know what? You're just like him. And we use these things. You're like your brother, you're like your sister. Whoever you're mad at at the time is who they're going to use. So, and what are you trying to do in this? You're trying to attack their character. They're trying to draw out in you. They're, 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 they're willing to say, this, uh, we, I know that this one person is the most annoying person in your life, and so I'm going to tell you, you're like them. I'm going to attack your personality and character in that way. This is hurtful, it's off topic, and it is a quick way to spiral a conflict further and further out of control. So never attack one's character or personality. It, doesn't, it never helps find a solution. The fourth thing, the fourth thing, man, I need to hurry. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Ephesians 4.26, it says, be angry. Did you know that? It says, be angry. And do not sin. See, there's a difference. The Bible says I can be angry. Well, don't, that's not justification for the way you just acted. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And watch the next verse. We don't stop there. And give no opportunity to the devil. In other words, this is not to allow anger to become unresolved, prolonged for any amount of time. For when there is prolonged anger, unresolved anger, it gives the devil an opportunity 
And although I, I even, I do think that sometimes it's good for married people to like, hey, revisit this tomorrow. Like, like if, it's, if it's that heightened, like when I'm getting the, the midnight phone call, pastor, I'm going crazy over here. I need your help. Will you come right now and referee this fight? I'm like, it's midnight. Um, sleep this one off and start back at it tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, sundown, does, are you going to have total resolution by sundown? No, that's not the point. The point is don't let it be so prolonged that anger becomes resentment and unforgiveness. Deal with it swiftly. This is one of the only areas where the, the phrase time heals everything isn't true. In marriages and relationships, time does not heal everything. You need to respond swiftly. You need to find resolution and understanding. Otherwise, Scripture says it becomes an opportunity for the devil. So, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Number five, avoid generalizations. If you want to fight fair, avoid general, uh, generalizations. You're always putting my family down. Always? You never take my side. Never? You, I'm always the one who apologizes. I'm sorry. We never get to do what I want. You never finish anything you start. You never take out the trash on time. You see, avoid generalizations. Keep to concrete examples of present-day behavior. Stick to the I language, remember? I feel a what? Help me one more time. I feel a what? I feel a feeling. Instead of you language, you always, you never. So what happens is when you overgeneralize and you say, you never, what's the next thing the other person is going to say? Well, back last Wednesday, last Thursday, it's defensiveness. It's defensiveness. And on, on the old train of circle of conflict we go. Number six, you're not going to like this. If your spouse says you do, then it's true. Our response is always defensive in nature. But spouses see us at our best and our worst, especially the longer we've been married. When your spouse says you're doing something irritating, guess what, dude? You're irritating. Perception is, the, is reality for them. Whether it's fact or not, it's true. So you have to ask why and try to find their point. You have to listen for understanding, not agreement, and resist the temptation to defend yourself. One of the purest forms of accountability that I have in my leadership is my wife. And she's able to say, hey, when so-and-so came to you, I felt like you were a little prideful. And I'm like, dang, you're probably right. Because nobody knows me better than that woman. She says, hey, 
when uh, you were complimented, you should have just said thank you because you are doing a good job. Oh, you're right. I'm being a little hard on myself this week. Are. Hey, <laughs> hey again, it's me. <laughs> uh, you were a little harder than the kids. What's going on? Like, you're right. I think I need to go apologize. So if your spouse says you do, it's probably true. And if you're the spouse saying that they do something, tone is everything. Delivery is everything. And I would tell you, I do not resent my wife when she brings me hard news. I'd rather hear it from her privately than someone else publicly. I'd rather hear it from her sooner than someone else later, and it's a pattern in my life. You see, I don't know if you know this, your spouse can make you better. They can make you better. And I'm thankful that God has placed her in my life and my family's life. Number seven, do not involve others in your conflict. What I'm not saying is don't seek help, don't seek counsel. That's not what I'm talking about. What I find most irritating is when somebody is willing to talk to others about their spouse, but not to their spouse about their spouse. Nothing, nothing irritates me more than when somebody is willing to, 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 to speak to any listening ear, like zero discernment. Anybody that's gonna to listen to them, they're gonna talk bad about their spouse but they don't want to talk to their spouse. This will never solve their problem, ever. And second of all, this will always cause further and further resentment in their heart because they're just always fleshing out all of their negative feelings without ever finding a resolution. Irritating. It fixes nothing. It is not honoring. You are not honoring your spouse if you're talking bad about your spouse. My wife, all the, all the time, she comes to me, she's like, these women are driving me crazy. She's not talking about y'all. She says, women drive me crazy. They talk bad about their husbands, and it's dishonoring. And even if it's true, even if their husband's a real jerk, just to go around talking bad about your husband, she's like, it just drives me crazy. That is not honoring. And she always tells me, she says, I just want you to know that I would never talk bad about you behind your back. I'm like, thanks, babe. I'm really sorry for what I'm saying, but no, I'm just kidding. I would never talk bad about my wife behind her back or to her face. <laughs> Do not involve others in your conflict. Go to the source. Be brave enough to have some eye messaging with your spouse. I feel a what? I feel a feeling. Number eight, the children shouldn't be involved. Children need to have a sense of security in their parents. Don't involve them in your troubles. The example that your kids see in how you have conflict is the reality that they will emulate. So children shouldn't be involved. Number nine, be honest. 70% of married people lie to their spouse. Lying makes everything worse. It's everything worse. And finally, number 10, Forgive fast and frequently. 
because you're going to need it. Forgive fast. Forgive frequently. Life is too short to allow conflict to ruin relationships. I'm going to give you two questions to fight fair, then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to release you because it's, I won't tell you what time it is. You might be mad at me. Don't look. Don't look. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not with, I'm just, whatever, Richard. In, in my church growing up, there was a clock in the back of the sanctuary. And it drove my dad crazy when people during the message would turn around and look at the clock. So he always joked that he was going to put a sign back by the clock that said, Remember Lot's wife. <laughs> Two questions to fight fair. You ready? One, does it honor God? Does it honor God? And two, does it show respect to others? If you can ask those two questions when you're in conflict, I think it can help realign you a little bit. When I was a teenager, I filtered everything that I did, whether at home or at school. I, I had this habit of always filtering everything I did, everything I said, every response in anger through the filter of if my youth pastor were here, would I still say it? Because I had a lot of honor and respect for him. He's still a spiritual father to my life even now today. I'd always say if, his name's Jeff Bullard, if Jeff Bullard were with me, would I do this? If Jeff Bullard were in the room, would I talk that way to my parents? If Jeff Bullard in the, were in the room, would I lie? If Jeff Bullard were in the room, would I do what these, these kids are doing? But moreover, what's the bigger, what's the bigger idea here? Is Jesus is in the room. And so does it honor God? Because he is in the room. And does it show respect? He is in the room. Scripture says, do all things as unto the Lord. So, so fight fair. Have conflict as unto the Lord. As if he is in the room. Would you say it that way if you were in public? Then you shouldn't say it that way in private. Tone is everything. Fight fair. Is this helping somebody? This week, in the next couple of weeks, if you have a healthy relationship, you're going to have some kind of conflict. Conflict doesn't mean crazy. Conf- confrontation doesn't mean fighting. Confrontation is conversation. And so use your I messaging. I feel a feeling, and I need to feel a feeling. I feel like is a thought. We don't need thoughts. We need feelings, and we need resolution. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord, you're the best. And God, I pray for every marriage that's here today that you would do the miraculous in their life. That, God, that you would give us courage and boldness to have some eye messaging and talk about how we feel. 
Lord, I pray that we would, we would also feel the weightiness of the responsibility we have in the way we talk to our husbands and wives. The weightiness to always be rooted in humility and honor and love. And for those that have been doing it wrong, Lord, may they just be able to repent and move forward. And may their, their spouse not hold the past against them. Help us, God, to learn to have good conflict so we can have healthy marriages and raise healthy families and be a healthy church making a big difference. In Jesus' name, amen.